0: All right, all right. Reset the clock because that don't count against my time. I'm just playing. <laughs> <frank. I'm laughs> Man, it's so good to see you guys again this year. Good to be back here, church on the move, man. Came in, you painted the outside, looks great, looks great out there. I'm up in uh, I am, we're up in Pennsylvania, up in uh, I, I'm around the Pittsburgh area, so I'm up in Steeler country. So I feel like God moved me from uh, from Texas, uh, there to really try to save the lost. Um, they're part of the cult there called the Steelers, and it's really tough working <laughs> through that cult there. <laughs> to, we try, we try, we, oh my gosh, we got one on the front row, all right. man, I tell you what, all right, his wife's wearing the LSU shirt and everything over there, man, I'm gonna stay over here and preach, okay? <laughs> Man, you guys look so good. I appreciate you, um, Pastor Marvin and um, Pastor Patty, having us back in, uh, back in again. Which tells us this: that last year we didn't mess up you too much, so that's always, always good. And as a, as a side note, whenever I get started in somebody else's church, I just let everybody know I'm going to preach this morning. And if I mess you up next week, Pastor Marvin will fix you back and we'll get y'all back into the, back into the right place. But somebody said, Amen. All right, there's certain spots where we Amen. All right, so. To, I have to get that down, but um, it is a privilege to be with you guys, and um, it's an honor to be able to uh, to come back here and to speak. And um, some of you may have been around. I got to speak to some of you guys who were here when uh, we actually started our ministry, actually in at Church on the Move. And I, I was a one of the children's pastor here for a while, and uh, did a youth pastor for a, for a little bit as well. I was uh, I saw a young lady in the in the in the lobby, and as, uh, as Marvin was introducing her, he said, "This is uh, this is one of Sheila's daughters." And I went, oh, okay. And then, and then he could see that I was like, "What were you talking about, Marvin?" And he said, "Oh, when she w- she was like uh, the, one of the twins." And I get, I was like, "Oh my gosh, they were like babies." So it just kind of, I just calcul- I saw she- Sheila and I said, "You know what that tells me?" She said, "What's that?" I said, "It means you're getting old. I'm not getting old. I'm just, <laughs> just i clocking out. I'm staying the same." But. Uh, Yeah, it's been a privilege. I was talking to somebody in the lobby as I was walking out with this mic on. He said, Oh, you're all wired up now. And I said, "Uh, He's not here. There there was a sound guy that that we had back when I was doing youth ministry. And he left this mic on. And I went out those doors and I went to the bathroom. And he left this mic on. And uh, I came through those doors. I came back in here. And all the teenagers were turned around looking at me. And I was like, What? I said, I actually said, What's going on? I could hear myself over the. And they all busted out laughing because it caught on like they left my mic on while I was in the bathroom. (laughs) I don't, trust, I don't trust sound guys to this day because of church on the move, man. <laughs> <And so laughs> but anyways, man, well, it's so good to be with you guys. We're going to jump right into the word. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Why don't we stand up on our feet for the reading of God's word? And honor God's word and stand on our feet. Mark chapter 10. I got a pretty good portion of scripture here, but it's good, all right? I'll start with verse 46. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Everybody say a large crowd. large crowd. We'll come back to that here in a moment. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard the, that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said. I want to see. Then Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Well, Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word. Lord, we bow our hearts and lives before you to receive what you have in store for us. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this church, this life-giving church. Father, we, we, we connect with that this morning, and we say, God, speak a word to us that we would be vessels unto honor in our church, in our homes, in our families, on the job, in our schools. God, we thank you so much for the impact, of what you're about to do by the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So obviously, this man was going through a tough time in the scripture we just, we just read here. He is, he's blind. Um, his blindness is compounded by the condition of poverty that he's in. So he's, he's blind, he's impoverished, he's having a, a tough time. And as we're going through this series of what to do when life doesn't play along, one of the things that we need to ask ourselves is what do we do when, when times get tough? How do we respond in the tough moments uh, of life? Have you ever gone through a tough moment in life? You ever gone through a tough moment that got compounded by something else, and you were just like, you were thinking to yourself, okay, hold on a second. If one more bad thing happens, and then one more bad thing happens, and you're like, I'm, I'm not, this is it. One more thing, and then another thing happens. Like, the more you say it, the more it happens. You ever have one of those? Ever have one of those times when when you were going through, and maybe it was a sickness, or maybe it was you got laid off from the job, and then there are other things that just seem to follow the the whole uh, the whole scene it's like you're sitting around and it's just one bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing and then you say to yourself well you know at least i got my health and then you get sick and well at least you know at least the car is running the car breaks down and you know the next thing you know is you're 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 sitting there you're you ever done this all right maybe i'm not gonna make you admit this in church all right you ever dodged a bill collector all right, nobody here has ever done that. You ever, come on, you know what it's like. The phone rings and everybody says, don't nobody answer that. All right? no. You've never been in that situation. Things get compounded. Well, what happens is sometimes we, we continue down the road, getting deeper into the pit, because we don't know what to do when times get tough. You see, we're prepared for the most part when, when times are good, but when times get tough, it seems like we've never been there before, but we have. See, what happens is whenever the tough time comes, it's like we, we have this weird like um, amnesia that God's not going to be faithful in the tough times. But he is the God of the tough times. And so maybe you're struggling during this season. Because when we enter into the this, this season of, of Christmas, for a lot of people it can be a struggle. We enter into the season of Christmas, and sometimes it can stir up things in your heart, and in your mind, and your emotions. And, and as those things begin to stir, you begin to wonder, "What, what am I going to do during this tough time?" Well, I, I think there's there's three lessons we can learn from this blind beggar this morning. And If you're taking notes, I want you to write write some of these down. Point number one: one of the lessons we learn from this blind beggar is that is that I will not wait. I will not wait. I want you to see what he did. He didn't wait for perfect conditions. Remember the text says in verse 46, it says that that when they reached Jericho and Jesus was with his disciples, he left town, a large crowd, do you see it? A large crowd followed him. One of the things I tell my church is whenever we're reading the text, that we don't just come to the text and read the words off the page. Because sometimes that's what we do. We just read words off a page and we're just like trying to, okay, I, just, I read the words. You ever done that? You ever read something and then you got to the end of what you just read and you don't even remember what you just read? You just, your eyes were just moving, all right? Amen. The text is created for you to not just read words, but to get into the picture, to get into the scene. Mm-hmm. What I challenge my church to do is whenever you read the text, I want you to try to hear the sounds Uh, in the audience i want you to try to hear the voice of the of the author i want you to to sense to even somewhat smell the the smells that they were smelling get yourself into the text so i want you to picture now here is this this blind beggar and now a large crowd is following jesus Not one, not two, not three. I'm talking a large crowd of people are surrounding Jesus. And this is the moment he's going to reach out for his healing. Which tells me this. I can't wait for perfect conditions to connect with Jesus. In fact, if I'm waiting for perfect conditions to connect with Jesus, I may miss my opportunity. I remember... um, Back in 2010, we were—I was doing a mission trip uh, to Kenya. We do a lot—I do a lot of mission trips. I go uh, at least three times a year. I'm on the mission field in, um, in several different countries. But we were in Kenya. And while we were in Kenya, um, this was late. We we would run these open air crusades where we'd have thousands of people come out to these church meetings, and it was after one of, one of the evenings we got finished with the with the meeting. We had a lot of pastors with us, and and they went to all, they went all. They all went to bed, and I was there with our um, with with the pastor, who's the, the Kenyan pastor. It was our, our connection there in Kenya, and uh, I got to talking to him. And I just said, uh, we we were just sharing stories, and I said, Mike, tell me what what burdens your heart, like what's the thing that that that, you, that that just rips your heart out. And he began to tell me a story of, of these young women who who work the streets in Kenya, and how many of them are bought and sold like cattle. And he said that that bothers me and I wish there was something I could do to change it and I said well let's do something he said what what are we going to do I said I don't know let's do something tonight and then we sat there at the table and we worked up this scheme here's the thought we had we we were going to go out and we were going to go into the brothels we were going to go around and we were going to hire these women and uh, spend, uh, spend the money for the entire night for them and only take 15 minutes of their time and so we, we had cu- cooked up the scheme and then I, and Mike said, so how much money do you have? And I said, I don't have much money. And so I went around and this was probably now, it's probably 11 o'clock midnight. I'll go around and I start knocking on the doors of all the all the pastor's rooms and waking them up. And, I, and I, Can you imagine waking up as a pastor, to another pastor asking you this? I need some money. What do you need money for, Ray? I'm going to go hire some prostitutes and I need some money. <laughs> you got to know these guys had didn't know me enough because they were like, all right, all right. It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> I don't know what he's up to today, but here you, we, that, that's, we, we left. Now, that part's funny. The, the, the non-funny part was when you had to, you know, my wife and I had to call her up and tell her what we did the night before. Well, babe, uh, here's what happened. <laughs> we, now, we, we hit the streets. We hit the streets not knowing what we were going to do. We hit the streets, and we had this money now, and we went to the, our first, the first brothel. and We paid for an entire evening for just 15 minutes of their time. Some 20-something girls came filing out of this, out of this brothel, and we just, we just talked to them. Then we asked them to tell us their story. And I remember what has shaken me to my core. This 14-year-old girl looked at me. She said, I've been here since I was nine years old. She said, my father owed a gambling debt, And he sold me. And then she said to me, can you save me? I felt helpless. I felt helpless. I began to think I wasn't prepared for this moment. I didn't have the finances. I didn't have the the aftercare program set up. All I knew is that there was a need and we went rushing into the need. And I looked at her and I said, I can't get you out tonight. But here's what I can do. I can pray for you. And I'm gonna tell you right now, don't you ever underestimate the power of prayer. Sometimes I, I hear some of the silliest things that people will say. I guess all I can do now is pray. That's kind of, what? <laughs> all, I can, all I can do now is call out unto the God, the creator of the entire universe, the one who by the power of his word created all that, is, all that exists, who holds his whole thing together in the palm of his hand. That's the only thing I can do now? I should have done that in the first place. I just looked at her and said, let me pray for you. I prayed for her. I want to tell you what happened. At next Sunday, I get a phone call from, uh, from our missionary on the ground. Mike Brown gives me a call, and he says, "He says, Ray, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, what's going on, Mike? He said, 20-something prostitutes walked into our church this morning. He said, the 14-year-old girl that you talked to, she gathered together all that she had and she got a bus ticket, a one-way bus ticket and came into our church and she's on the run right now. We need to put her in a safe home. That her, her owners are after her. What do we do now? I said, Mike, the money's coming to you. Find a place for them to stay. And that began a journey. Now, that was in 2010. Now we freed up to 500-something women we've been able to free. Now... Do we wait for perfect conditions? Not when there's a major need. When there's a major need on the line, what we do is we step out and we say, it's always the right time to call on Jesus. It's always the right time. Sometimes we've convinced ourselves that that the right time is when we have our life all together. The problem is is that that you're never going to have it all together. If you look around and you think to yourself, well, that person over there has it all together. No, that person over there is just really good at faking it. <laughs> if you think for a moment that, that not everyone in this room has their own struggles that they're dealing with, you, you, you're believing a lie because everybody has something they're working through. Amen. You can't wait for the perfect condition. You can't wait until you say, when everything is all together, because guess what? That day, it, 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 it sometimes never comes. I hear sometimes that, like the, the things that, that people will say when, when they're waiting for the right condition, when I, when I have it all together or, or when... Um, here's one I always think is funny. Like, like I'll, I'll wait and worship at that right song. When, when, when Bobby and Vicky man, when, when they get that right song, when I feel the mood and I get the goosebumps, that's when, that's when I'm going to say, Jesus, I surrender all to you. I don't wait for the right song. Don't wait, don't don't wait for, for when the life is all together. Don't wait for the someday moments. When times are tough, when it's the right time to call out on them. Right now. Right now. Sometimes we, we convince ourselves though that, that, you know, because what we do is we concentrate on what we don't have. We concentrate on on the fact that, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. And if I had this and if I had that, what we do is we lose our focus and we put our focus on our weakness. And our focus focus is, is on what we don't have and not on what we do have. You see, this blind man, he could have felt sorry for himself. He could have just felt sorry for himself. And this is where I'm convinced that that a lot of people live in this state of being. Something happens in their life rather than looking at what God has given them. They look at the condition and the state that they're in and they start feeling sorry for themselves. And and then what what happens is sorrow leads to a place of of paralyzation. It's like they're they're sorrowful and here's what most would have done. Jesus is in town, and we'd have been sitting there with our old blind self talking about, oh, you know, I probably ain't ever going to get to him. He probably don't have any time for me. You know, I'm just where I'm at. It, it, you know, we, we just keep going on and on and on and on. All right, let me ask you a question because I'm going to date somebody. Anybody ever watch Hee Haw? I know that's a bad shot. You remember that? that, that poor, miserable, I can't even remember all the things he said? Right? come on. All right. That's kind of like where we get. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's all right. That's okay. Just Google it. Um, (laughs) Just sitting there, just feeling sorry. That's not where he stayed. That's not where he stayed. I was talking to my mom this morning before I came. She just got off work and... We're staying at her house, and I said, she said, so what are you preaching on this morning? I told her what I was preaching on, and I got to this point because she wanted to hear all the points. So she already got the sermon this morning. So I got to this point right here, and she said, that's right. I would have told him, suck it up, buttercup. And I said, all right, well, just so you know, I'm going to put you in my notes now. So <laughs> but let me tell you something about the God that we serve. Because sometimes we underestimate what he's given us. Sometimes we underestimate and devalue the thing that we have. Because we look at what we have, we look at what we're up against, we look at what we have, and we look at the opposition that we're facing, and we conclude in our minds that what we have cannot defeat that opposition. But you're forgetting, it's not about what you have in your hand, it's who you have in your heart. You see, I serve a God who said to Moses... Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said, I got a staff. That is Moses Mo, what do you got in your hand? A stick? (laughs) Let me tell you something, Mo. We're gonna topple a kingdom with a stick. This is the God who, who, David, David, old Dave's got to face, a, got to face an, uh, an entire nation. And what does David topple a nation with? A couple of stones. You serve a God who topples the nations with sticks and stones, my friends. Don't dismiss what he's given you. To this blind man, In verse 47, I want you to see the words. In verse 47, when Bartimaeus heard, when he heard, everybody say heard. Heard. When he heard. Heard. Some of you say heard. Don't make fun of the guy preaching here. All right. When he heard. All right. When he heard. Now I don't know how to say the word. When he was listening. All right. When Barnabas heard, man, now it sounds funny to me. When Barnabas heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. shout. You see, he got to the place where he said, I I may not be able to see, but I can hear. You see, I, 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 I may not be able to see, but I can speak. You see, I, got, there, I may not have everything that everybody else in the crowd has, but the gift that he's given me, I'm going to use what I have. And I will not wait. So he heard, and he let out a shout. See, I, he concluded in his mind, I may not have the best, but I'm going to keep on moving. I may not be able to see him but I will get him to see me. And he let out a shout. One of the other things that we learned from this blind beggar is that I will not be swayed. I will not be swayed. That is, we we don't sway to public opinion. We don't sway to public opinion. Faith will always look foolish in the eyes of an unbeliever. And by an unbeliever, I'm not just talking about the lost world out there. I'm talking about even the Christians who profess one thing with their mouth, but don't actually believe what they're professing. Who say with their mouth, Jesus saves, he rescues, he redeems, he heals, but they don't really believe he rescues, saves, and redeems, and heals. To those who lack faith, Faithful always seem foolish to him. But we cannot be swayed by public opinion. In verse 48, it says, they tell him, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but I want you to see what he did. But he only shouted louder. Amen. Be quiet, but he only shouted louder. This man overcame the crowd to get in contact with Jesus. The crowd was telling him to shut up and he told the crowd, move out of my way. I've got to get to Jesus. He understood that there will always be those that will stand in your way. And I want you to see the people that were standing in his way were people who were following Jesus. You see, sometimes we're prepared for those who will stand in our way that aren't following Jesus. But sometimes, you ever been at the place where you thought somebody had your back and they really didn't have your back? You ever been to a place where, where you thought, like, like you thought, like, you would share this with them. You would pour out your heart. They would look back at you, and they would say, yes, we can do this together. Only to find out that they looked, they, they came back at you, and they were, like, pushing you backwards. Amen. They had your back, but they really went there. I, I called my sister this morning. And I said, um, I, I'm going to share a story about you. Just so you know, if you come to church, this, this is the payment for coming to church. So my sister came to church this morning, so I'm going to share a story about her, all right? Amen. So, I remember uh, this was... Uh, Several, I'm gonna say several years ago, just to you know keep you safe. All right, I'm gonna keep you safe. Several years ago, she was, uh, oh, she was a kid. You were a teenager, probably. Were you a teenager then? They were at uh, Applebee's skating rink. I, I don't think it's closed down now, but you know anybody remember Applebee's skating rink in town? So she was at at the skating rink, and um, while she was there, they were doing what were you doing? The cha cha slide? Is that what? you... I don't even know what a cha cha slide is. Anyway, she's uh, look what are you doing, man? He just started busting out like just Slides this slide, just <laughs> He just. Started, all right, so we know where he where he was at. <laughs> so <laughs> we were, uh, so they were doing the cha cha. Apparently, she was doing it wrong. These girls came over, started messing with her, and they said, "You're doing it wrong." And she said, "Well, if you don't like what you're seeing, then don't look." And so she just kept doing a little a little dance. So they kept they kept messing with her, and then she's finally getting enough of it. And she, you know, she had, with her two cousins. I ain't going to vindicate them this morning, so I'm just going to leave them out of the story. But I'm just going to say they're cousins. Anyways, two of her cousins were there, and she was telling them, like, if these girls keep messing with me." I'm going to whip their tail. I'm, I'm not, not going to put up with this, all right? And my one cousin was like, yeah, girl, do it, girl. I got your back, girl. And we got this, girl. Anybody ever have one of those friends that got you into something stupid? Then, I got your back, girl. I got your back. Well, the fight broke out, and guess what happened to I got your back. She didn't have, your back. She didn't have her back. She <laughs> she got her back way back, man. She took off running. You ever had somebody that thought you, you thought they had your back, but they really didn't have your back? They had your back until the moment when times got tough. Amen. I'm going to give you three things. And I'll tell you, that this evening we're having the Fuel, is that what it's called? The Fuel with, with, uh, with the Dream Team. And I'll be speaking a little bit more about this particular point here. But there's, there's three people I, I that you can rest assured that, will, that you'll come in contact with, that you're going to have to overcome, that will try to sway you. The first one I, I call the faith vampires. They just try to drain the faith completely out of you. These are people that, that will, you thought they had your back, but these are the people that will, will ask you questions like this. Do you really think it'll get any better? Do you honestly think it's going to get any better? They drain the faith out. Then you have the faith intimidators. Let me tell you something about faith intimidators. Faith intimidators have, have got to a place where they don't want to stand by faith but, and they don't want to see anybody else blessed by standing in faith. So they try to intimidate you from believing. These, these are the people that, that will come alongside you and, be, and tell you things like, okay, I get it. I get the all God thing. I, I get it. I go to church every Sunday. I get the God thing. But you need to stop it with this God stuff. You got the faith mockers. Those who will look at you and see where you're standing by faith, and mock you for standing there. I assure you that there will be opposition that will come out of the woodworks to try to sway you, to try to sway you when you're standing in faith, when you're going through a tough time. But the lesson we learn from the blind beggar is this: is that I will not be swayed by public opinion because Jesus hears the cries of desperate people. Verse forty-nine through fifty. It says, when he heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. And I want you to see, is through, through the noise of the crowd, again, I want you to get into the scene. Through the noise of the crowd. You see, sometimes we, we, you may think, like, does he really hear me? There was a crowd that was surrounding Jesus. And through the, all the noise of the crowd, he hears the voice. Of one man in a desperate cry. So he called, uh, so they called the blind man, cheer up. Oh, oh hold a second. Again, again, when you get into, some things crack me up when I read the Bible. What, this is one of those things that crack me up because they called the blind man and said, cheer up. Look at these punks. Yeah. <laughs> Two seconds ago they were telling this man to shut up. Yeah. Two seconds ago they were like, shut, there, shut up, get back. Jesus says, bring him. Oh, hey, man. Cheer up. Come on. Come on. Oh, buddy, old pal of mine. Walking up. I know him. He was back in the back. I talked to him before service began. Yeah, you did. You told him to shut up. He <laughs> said, come on. He's calling you. And I want you to see something else in, in verse 50. Father me threw aside, this is just a little side note here, he threw aside his coat and he jumped up. He threw aside his coat and he jumped up. A little detail in the scripture, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just, we'll just like walk right over the top of it. But this small little detail, he's a blind beggar. The only thing he had of value, the only thing he had of worth, the only possession he owned was the clothes on his back. And that outer coat was everything. And he took that outer coat, and at the call of Jesus, he let the outward coat go. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to cry out to them. So there's going to be times you're going to have to let go of appearance. You have to let go of what what are other people going to say? What are they going to think? What are they going to believe about me? What are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about me if I call out to them now? What are they going to think about me if I believe? What are they going to think about me if it all fails? What are they going to think about me if it, not, if, if it doesn't happen? Let me tell you something. A lesson I learned from a blind beggar is you got to let that thing go. You put it aside and you recognize the one who heals, the one who sets the captives free, the one who by the power of his word can change your life forever stands before you. And he asks the question, In verse 51, what do you want me to do? And the blind man didn't skip around with it. He just said, I want to see. I want to see Jesus. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He hears the cries, he sees the tears, he sees the struggle. He sees behind the smile that you put on in public and, 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 the, and the face and the facade that you put on. He sees behind all that and he sees the struggle and the cry. He knows and he hears. In the tough times, I will tell you, he, he hears, he sees. And just as he said to this blind man, In verse 52, he says, go for your faith has healed you. I guarantee you this. Pastor Marvin said it earlier. Your breakthrough is just around the corner. It's just around the corner. But here's what we need to learn. This is the third lesson I learned. Is I will not forget. I will not forget because in, in verse 52, he gets healed. And it says, instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. He followed Jesus down the road. You see, it's not just a matter of following God when, when times are, are tough. It's following him even when the times get good. It's the difference between what I, what I call the, um, the blue and red light faith. You know what a blue and red, red light faith is? Let me tell you what blue and red light faith is. All right. You're driving down the road. Whew, all right. You're going over the speed limit, right? Because you've said to yourself, all right, they give you five miles, uh, so, but you're going ten because you know what? If they give me five, why am going to give me ten? All right. So you're, you're flying down the road, all right? You're going flying down the road. And then all of a sudden you 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 see him. He just comes out of nowhere. Because let me tell you something about, about state troopers. They will get, they will never get the people who are riding your tail or speeding past you. They always get you. Am I right? Okay. So, you ever been there? You ever been there? Like I hope, I hope he gets pulled over, and he never gets pulled over. Well, he because they're waiting for you. So <laughs> you go flying down the road, and you see, you see, you see him. He get, out of nowhere, he pops up, and then his lights go on, boop, boop. and then instantly you begin to pray. <laughs> That's blue and red light faith. You start making all sorts of promises, dear Lord Jesus. You get me out of this. I will serve on the dream team for thirty years, Lord Jesus. I, God, I will usher. I will greet. I will do. Ch- I will go into nursery and change every dirty diaper. I will be the dirty diaper changer, Lord Jesus. You get me out of this. You never spoke in tongues. All of a sudden, you're speaking in tongues now. Like just, go, just going at him, man. I don't even know what this is, but I'm gonna try it all this morning. Red, red and blue. Then he flies past you because he's on somewhere else. He flies past you. Woo! Now Jesus, about that dream team thing. Now here's the thing. I got a busy work schedule, you know. <laughs> Don't forget him after the blessing. We live in a nation that, that does this. 9-11 hit How many of you, do you remember when 9-11 hit? Do you remember what day that was on? That was a Tuesday. You know how I know it was a Tuesday? Because we had Wednesday night service. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time. Tulsa, Oklahoma that has a church corner of thousands, just about on every street corner. Let me tell you something about that Wednesday evening. It was standing room only in every church in the city. I mean, you could, you could barely get a seat at a church. I watched as both sides of the aisle stood on Capitol Hill and cried out in prayer to God. Why? Tragedy hit. There was no question. No one, you didn't hear. There was no CNN. Didn't put it on the news. It was. It was MSNBC. Didn't have it on Fox News. Didn't have it on. There was nobody saying separation of church and state. They're all crying out to God. Why in the tough times we know where to go, but He doesn't just want to be the God of your tough times. He wants to be the God of when the times get good, because let me tell you something, your blessing, your breakthrough, your next moment is just around the corner. And when you get the blessing and when you get the breakthrough and when the whole world changes and when God moves mountains on your behalf and everything opens up and he parts the water and he defeats the nations with sticks and stones in your life, in that moment, he wants to hear your cry. The lesson I learned from this blind beggar is that I will not forget him when he sends the blessing. Because this blind beggar instantly was healed and followed Jesus down the road. We followed Jesus through the good times and the tough times. What do we do in our lives when life doesn't seem to be playing along. We don't wait to call out on Him. We recognize that the time to call out on Him is right now. Amen. We, we're not going to get swayed by what other people say or what other people think or the people that are going to try to drain us of our faith. And here's the last thing. We remember that my breakthrough is on the way. And when he moves heaven and earth on my behalf, I will praise him all the day long in good, in bad, in tough, and in the blessing. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I thank you for your goodness and